Hey, this is Chelsea Emery from Christ Walk Church, and this is our podcast. For more information about our church, visit thechristwalk.com. We hope this message encourages you to live for something more. Thanks for listening. Well, good morning, Christ Walk. How's everybody doing this morning? You should feel refreshed. There should be a spring in your step this morning, that extra hour of sleep. Um, If you were like me, you just woke up at the same time that your alarm would have normally gone off, and it was just an hour early, Um, and then you just laid there and stared at the ceiling until it was time to get up. So it didn't really gain me anything, but hopefully um, some of you had a better experience than that. If you've got a Bible or a smart device, um, I want to invite you to turn with me or swipe with me to the New Testament. There's a letter Um, that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Philippi. It's called Philippians. Um, And we are going to be in chapter 3 of Philippians. We're going to land there in just a moment so that you can uh, can go ahead and turn there. Um, But before... Before we get there, um, uh, did anybody, anybody have a good Halloween last night? Raise your, hand, raise your hand if you did trick-or-treating. Maybe you, you dressed up. Raise your hand if you sat at the end of the driveway and handed out candy to kids. Yeah, that's what I did. That's what I did. We were cleaned out by like 7.30. It was awesome. <laughs> it's just, sorry, no more. Got to... Got to go inside and turn the light out. It was great. It was great. Um, but uh, I, I, love, um, I love seeing the excitement in kids' faces and um, saw some really, really cool costumes uh, last night and um, just some families, you know, participating together. It was incredible just to connect with some of the families in our neighborhood and everything. But um, I, I do, I love seeing the kids dressed up. And uh, there's, you know, I kind of keep a running tally of the coolest costumes that I've seen in my entire life. And, and um, there, there were two, uh, one of them I don't have a picture of, but one of them I do. One, one of the coolest costumes that I ever saw um, in my entire life was uh, Dee Dee Moore right here in the front row dressed as Fat Thor from Avengers Endgame <laughs> because she's pregnant. It was awesome and it totally made my day. Um, but the best costume I've ever seen uh, was Kyler Hawley, um, the son of Todd and Tara Hawley, who, um, if you can't tell, he went as me for Halloween. Um, maybe you were here last week, you saw some pictures, jean jacket, bandana, try to look cool one time, and then this is, you know, you, you pay for it. I think Ty, uh, uh, Kyler, um, he, he's even got a little name tag that says, hello, my name is Pastor Blake. Um, he's carrying an iPad and a Bible. It's, I mean, it is like down to a T. And the sad part is, is that he makes me look even better than I make me look. <laughs> I don't know what in the world. I, I, think, I, think what, uh, I think it backfired on him, though, because um, he was like, what is the scariest thing that I could possibly be? He was like, I know. <laughs> I'll be Pastor Blake. And everyone was like, hey, we love your costume. You're so cute. <laughs> that's what I normally get, you know. Um, honey, that was your time to chime in right there. Yeah. Halloween, it's, it's all based on pretend. And, and as accurate as this is, we would be foolish to think that if we came in contact with Kyler on Halloween, that, that you would have somehow come in contact with me, Right? Or, or maybe, like, let me, let me take that thought, like, a, a, a step further. Has anybody ever been around somebody who, um, who's a name dropper? 
I, from the groan, I can, I, I, I guess that you have been. Um, you know, in, in, in case you're unaware, a name dropper is, um, it's a person who seeks to, they seek to impress others by frequently mentioning famous or important people that they are supposedly connected with. And usually it's, you know, they're, they're just pretending, right? They, they're not really connected with those people. They, they, they don't really know those people. They, they just know some stuff maybe about them. They know who they are, but they don't really know them. And so it, it's, 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 a, it's a way to kind of put yourself out there and make yourself seem, you know, a little bit better than maybe what you are. It's all based in pretense. And I can't help but look around the landscape, particularly within the evangelical church here in 2020, and, and notice that there are a whole lot of Christians, and I'll use that term loosely, Christ followers, that, that when it comes down to them being like or knowing God, it's usually based on nothing more than pretense. That the only time that we're, we're really living, a lot of us are really living as Christians is when it serves us or when it benefits us, when it's convenient for us to do so. And, and so what we're doing is we're just spending the majority of our time just pretending. We're pretending to be Jesus. We're pretending to know God. And, and the reason that we do this, I, I think it's, it's, really, it's really two things. If you're taking notes, maybe you want to write this down. The, the two reasons that we might do this is, is because we want to be people of priority. We, we want to be seen as important. It, it's, an, it's an ego thing. It's a, it's a status builder. And we want to be seen as someone who is important. We want to be a person of priority. And then secondly, I think that it's because we want to be a person of authority. That, that we, not only do we want to be seen as important, but we want to be seen as in charge or, or powerful, right? So that's the reason why people these days, why they, they tend to be so-called Christians only by pretense is because they want to be perceived as someone of priority and authority when it benefits them. But at the end of the day, it's all fake. And the truth is, is that you can't, you can't really show what, or in this case today, who you don't really know. See, this is that, that kind of living, that's not the mark of an authentic lifestyle. And, and when we choose to live that way as so-called believers in Jesus, so-called people who are following after Christ, when we choose to live that way, eventually, it may not be right up front, but eventually other people are going to see right through us. And when that happens, the end result is going to be they will not want to have anything to do with our God, our Jesus, our church nothing. And guess what? It's not just those people that don't want to have anything to do with us when we choose to live that way. It's Jesus himself. 
In Matthew 7, verses 21 through 33, Jesus said this. He said, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name, but I will reply, I never knew you. I never knew you. So if, if we're going to say that Jesus is our message and that, that for those of us that belong to Christ Walk Church and that, that we, are, we are putting ourselves out there as followers of Jesus, if we're going to say that Jesus is our message, then you and I have to be doubly sure that we know who and what we are talking about. See, it's not enough to just know about him. We have to really know him. And when we talk about knowing God, we accomplish that through having a, a relationship or, or knowing the person of Jesus Christ and then, and then being infilled with and, and interacting through the, the power and the presence of his Holy Spirit. See, Jesus, when he came to this earth, he was, he was 100% God and he was 100% man. He was God with skin on, God in flesh. And then after he uh, ascended back into heaven, after his death and resurrection, he ascended. Then he sent the Holy Spirit just what we have today. And so when, when you and I, a lot of us, we, we get hung up on this whole idea of when it comes to knowing God, that God seems so far away from us. But, he, but then we say, well, he sent his son Jesus to, to walk this same earth and to experience the same temptations and trials and tribulations that you and I face. But, but even then we say, yeah, but, but he, like, we, we can't see him. And so that's why we were, we were sent the Holy Spirit. And, and so in order for us to know God, then we need, to, we need to have an encounter and an interaction with all three of those things. And, and, and that, that's related to this theological term. I don't, you've probably heard of it. It's called the Trinity. I'm not trying to dumb anything down this morning. I just want to be sure that we're operating from a place of clarity. So the Trinity is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It is all one God, but three different offices or functions. And so we were given each of those iterations, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, for us to then be able to interact with and come to know the fullness of who God is. And in John 14, verse 9, Jesus, he said this to his disciples. He said, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? He says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why do you keep asking me? Why are you asking me to show him to you? Jesus was just reiterating, I and the Father, we are one. And later, Jesus told his disciples, he said, I'm going to leave, but I'm going to send the, 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 the Father will send the, the advocate, the comforter, the Holy Spirit is going to come to you. And it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit working together that have, he's given himself to us so that we can interact with and have a relationship 
with him. So if we want to get to know God, we need to first get to know his son, Jesus, right? And so that's the launching point that we're going to use for this series we're, we're kicking off today called What's Next? So last week presented, um, it was Vision Sunday, and I, I presented this idea of, of a discipleship path that, that we're implementing here at Christ Walk Church as part of our vision, our mission that we want to help people to walk through in order to live for something more. And so over the, over the coming weeks, I want to take us all through that and explain kind of the why behind the what. Why, why is this important? What, what does it mean for us? So that hopefully then we'll be able to figure out where we are in this process, but then we can also link arms with other people and be able to bring them through this process as well. And it all starts, it's, it's foundational. It starts with knowing God. We want people to know God, find community, discover purpose, and make a difference. And it starts with knowing God, and that is paramount. So if we're going to know God, then we need to get to know his son, Jesus. That, that if we've seen Jesus, then we've seen the Father. That the son and the Father, they are one. And so we need to have this relationship. But can I be honest, even for me as a pastor of a church, there is a tension that exists there with knowing Jesus. Not only the fact that, where is he, right? There's difficulty, there's, there's some hurdles to overcome right there on the beginning. But also just with, with everything, all of the expectations that are placed on us as people who live in this modern era of, of who we're supposed to be and how we're supposed to act and everything, there is a constant tension at work when it comes to truly knowing God and positioning ourselves in such a way that we can know him. And, and Paul talks about this tension in Philippians chapter 3. And so if you, hopefully you've turned there by now, um, we're going to start in verse five and we're going to work our way over the next few verses. And so Paul talking about his, his connection to God in Philippians chapter three, starting with verse five, he says, basically he's saying, this is my connection. He says, I was circumcised. Really, Paul, you had to start there? Really? That's where we're going to start out. I already don't like it. I don't like it one bit. I don't like where this is headed. Um, but that's where he goes. He says, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin. A real Hebrew, if there ever was one. Paul, a little braggadocious here. He says, I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous, in fact, that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. See, it's here in these opening verses of Paul's discourse in Philippians 3 that we see that, that at least early on in Paul's life, he was a man about two things. He was all about religion and he was all about reputation. 
He was all about religion and he was all about reputation. Several times he makes note of religion and religion is, is following all the rules. It's doing everything the right way. Maybe you've heard it in the church circle. You've heard this term legalism thrown around. That's really what we're dealing with here. Religion or legalism, especially in terms of what Paul is communicating, would tell us that if we dress the right way, if we talk the right way, if we act the right way, if we jump through all the right hoops, then we will be accepted by God. That it's, it's based on our ability to perform or to act. He says, look, look at all the religious stuff. I was circumcised when I was eight, years, or eight days old. He says, I was a member of the Pharisees, strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I obeyed the law without fault. That's all things that Paul did. That he said through most people's eyes would qualify him as someone to be accepted by God. Not only was he about religion, he was also about reputation. Like he said, I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel. I'm a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I am the creme de la creme of all of the Hebrew people. He says, I was a member of the Pharisees. I, I persecuted the church because of it. Like he's going over and above to let us know that like when in terms of in, in terms of, of being a Jew, he was like the man that all other Jews would aspire to be like. But you need to know something this morning that when this life is over and you and I stand before God, how well we kept all of the rules won't be what welcomes us into heaven. What other people think of us or a good word that our grandma or our uncle or some guy we know puts in for us with the big eye upstairs is not going to be what determines God's decision in regard to his judgment of our eternity. It's gonna come down to one thing and one thing alone. Does he know who we are? And the flip side of that coin is, do we know who he is? That's what it's going to come down to. And see, Paul, somewhere in between verses 6 and 7, Paul comes up with this, this radical discovery. Paul, Paul discovered that, that religion and reputation aren't important. And somewhere between verses six and seven, Paul trades all of that religion and all of that reputation for a relationship. He trades all of that religion and, and all of that reputation for a relationship. He continues on. He says in verse 7, he says, I once thought these things, talking about all of the criteria that he just listed, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. He continues at the end of verse nine, he says, I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. 
for God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. See, Paul had it figured out. Paul had it figured out that it wasn't about religion. It wasn't about keeping all of the rules. It wasn't about the reputation, what everybody else thought about you or how good they thought you were and and keeping up appearances um, for, for everyone else to think that you were on top of your game. Paul had realized that it was only about a relationship with Jesus Christ, which caused him to say, I wanna know Christ above all else. I wanna know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I wanna suffer with him. I want to experience his death so that one way or the other, I will know what it means to be resurrected from the dead. That's what Paul had come to realize that this life is all about and what it truly means to know God. But the question is, is is that what we want for ourselves? Is that the kind of relationship that you and I are after? And if it is, how do we know that we have it? How do we know that we have that kind of relationship? How can we look at our lives introspectively? How how can we measure to see if, if that is the kind of lifestyle that we are living, if that is the kind of relationship that we have? With God, And, and it's, it's out of this passage that if you look closely, there's, there's four indicators that Paul lists of, of an authentic relationship with Jesus. Four indicators, four, four characteristics, if you will, that Paul lists of what it means to authentically follow Jesus and have, have a real, true relationship with him. And so if you're taking notes, you can write these down. The first one is, the first indicator of an authentic relationship with Jesus is that it's personal. It's personal. See, back in the Garden of Eden, God, the Father, was able to come down and and he was able to dwell. He was able to be with his creation, Adam and Eve. But as you may remember, because of, because of the sin that they committed, because they disobeyed God, they, they, um, they, they gave their hearts over to the whispers of lies from the enemy of the devil, and they ate fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which God commanded them not to. Then there was a, a, a breach in the communication and the connectivity of God and man. It's this thing called sin, and so it separates us. And so God was no longer able to be in communion with his creation. And so that's why all throughout the Old Testament, it required sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice, that through the blood of bulls and rams and goats that that temporarily subsided and covered our sins. And then Jesus Christ comes on the scene and through his death on the cross once and for all, that gap is filled in. And so now we are able to come close to the Father through a relationship with Jesus Christ that is ushered in to you and I today in accordance with the power and, uh, of his Holy Spirit that is working within us. 
So it's meant to be something that's personal, that, that God wasn't intended to stay far away. He wants to come close up to his people. It's what Paul was talking about when he said, I want to gain Christ and become one with him. Become one. That, that's personal, right? That's really a marriage reference, that the two have become one flesh, that that's how close Paul said that we ought to be with, with God, that we should be one with each other. So it's a personal thing. So how, how do we do this? How, how do we make this happen? What are some of the, the practical factors that, that take place in our life? Well, well, it starts with, if we're gonna be connected to God personally, there's some things that have to happen. There's some stuff that we need to do. And, and by all means, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not giving you a list of rules to follow. I'm just showing you this is what you can do to position yourself properly to, to see to it that this kind of thing happens in your life on a regular basis. So if we're gonna have a personal relationship with God, we've gotta attend church. Why? It's not because I'm great. It's not because this, like, it's, it's not because the, the worship band is singing our favorite songs. No, this is, this is his body. The church is his body. And so when we come to church, when, when, when we gather together like we're doing this morning, we're connecting ourselves to his body. You want to talk about knowing somebody personally? Connect to their body. Hold hands with them. Give them a hug. That's a personal connection, right? And so that's what we're doing. When we come together, we're gathering together and we are, we're actually connecting with and interacting with his body, the very person of Jesus right here, his church. We need to read scripture. We need to read scripture. In the beginning, John said, in the beginning was, uh, the, the word became flesh that, that, that Jesus, this is Jesus Christ right here. And that when he came to this earth as a little baby born in Bethlehem, that manger that we're gonna celebrate in just a few weeks from now, that, that it was actually these words that, that became skin on and, and there was breath in his lungs. And so whenever we read these words, whenever we engage with this book, we are, we're connecting to him through his, his word, to the very person of Jesus through his word. We attend church, we read scripture, we pray. Whenever we pray, we connect to God's heart. We connect to God's heart. You know what I find often that when I spend time in prayer, there's so many things that I, I want God to change about my situation and, and God doesn't always change the situation, but you know what he does? He changes me. Because when we spend time praying, when we spend time seeking after the Father in prayer, what happens is we become more like him. That we, get, we get tuned in to his, to his heart and the things that he wants. And, and when we spend time communicating with him in prayer, it becomes less about our desires and, and a transformation takes place. And all of a sudden we begin to want, we begin to long for, we begin to desire the things that he wants for us. Instead, so attending church connected to his body, reading scripture connected to his word, to the person of Jesus through his word, prayer, through prayer we're connected to his heart. And the fourth thing is worship. Worship connects us to his presence. 
Think about it. We come into this place. The band gets up, sings songs, and we do what we call praise and worship, right? Ushers us into his presence. Whenever we give sacrificially of our finances, it, it, it ushers us into his presence. Whenever we serve, we use the gifts and the skills and the abilities that we have, it, it takes us into his presence. And guess what? That can happen Monday through Saturday. Turn on the radio, put on a podcast, get on Spotify, put in a CD, find a place to serve in the community, find a way to be generous to a neighbor or to a loved one. That's an act of worship. And when we do that, it connects us to his presence because this this relationship that we have, an authentic indicator of that is, is, is that it's personal. And what happens is as we do these things regularly, over time, consistently, we begin to resemble Jesus. Think of the most godly person you know. The most godly person you know. Someone that you say, that person's like Jesus. I guarantee you there's some things going on in their life. I guarantee you that they don't miss church. I guarantee you that they don't miss a day reading their Bible. I guarantee you that they find themselves regularly and consistently on their knees in prayer. I guarantee you that they are engaging in worship, not just on Sunday, but throughout the week. I guarantee it because that's how we become more like him. See, we become like those people that we spend the most time with. So if we wanna be like Jesus, right? We spend time with him because it's meant to be personal. Number two, the second indicator of an authentic relationship with Jesus is not only that it's personal, but it's also practical. It's also practical. That it's something that we practice, that we're able to put into action. Paul says, I no longer count on my own righteousness, my own abilities, my own skills, my own gifts, the things that I'm capable of. Instead, I become righteous through faith in Christ. So what he's talking about is, is it's not, not any, any longer about what he is able to do, but he is allowing his faith in Jesus to now spill over into all the other places of his life. And that's what you and I are called to do. We don't, we don't compartmentalize our relationship with Jesus to just an hour or two on a Sunday morning. We need to let that, our, our faith in him, it should impact the way that we live in every other area of our life. It should spill over into our marriage and the way that we interact with our spouse. It should spill over into our jobs and the way that we perform at our jobs and the way that we interact with our coworkers. It should spill over into our finances and how we're handling our money. It should spill over into our parenting and the, the relationship that we have with our kids and every single area of our life, every nook and cranny, more and more and more as we walk this path of faith. Those things should become more like Jesus. They should be turned more in his direction, coming to a place of health, 
and fullness and favor because of what he is doing in our life. And what happens is, is when we choose to live this way, all of a sudden others are going to begin to recognize Jesus in us due to the way that we live. And we're gonna start to reflect his character. See, when we choose to live based on our own abilities and the things that we're able to accomplish, we just reflect us. And sooner or later, that is going to fall short. But when we choose to live God's way and we do things according to the, the, the principles of his word, we begin to reflect him and, and, and there is no falling short there. And people will see that and they will want what we have. And we'll be able to explain to them that it's not about what we're capable of. It's, it's the fact that his righteousness has become our righteousness. I remember when Sarah and I got married. And we had to, you know, she, she changed her name and had to get a new social security card and all of that stuff, you know, to a new driver's license to reflect the, the fact that we had been married. And I remember the day that we merged our bank accounts into a joint account, right? And so that means that that's, that's what, what's mine is hers, that she has everything that, that now I had, that the, the, the two have become one and now she has access to, to all, of the, all of the money, or well, I say all of the money. <laughs> she has access to that $5.34 that I had in my bank account when we got married. Right, it was that joint account so that everything I had now, she has direct access to. That's what happens when we begin to live out this, when we put our faith and our hope and our trust in Jesus Christ and begin to walk this process that all of a sudden, it's not about our abilities anymore. It's that we now take on his righteousness and we have everything that he has. It's like that joint account. Like we, if, if Jesus has it, then we have access to it through him. So we begin to resemble, we begin to, we begin to look like him in every facet of our lives. It's personal, it's practical. Number three, it's powerful. It's powerful. Paul said, I wanna know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I see a lot of Christians walking around powerless. And here's why. Because in order for there to be a resurrection, something first has to die. And that's the difficulty that we have. Is that, yeah, we want the power that is associated with a relationship with God. We want that access to everything that he has. We want, we want that joint account that what he has, we have. But when it comes down to it, we find ourselves powerless because we realize that our ability to experience God's power in our lives is directly correlated to our willingness to relinquish control of our lives. So if we're not gonna give up control, then we can't, access the power. But Paul says a, a true mark of an authentic relationship with God through Jesus Christ is one of power. He says, I wanna experience that resurrecting power, that, that power that, that moved, moved Jesus from death to life is the same power that should be operating in and through us. 
But he gives a warning to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3. He says this, talking about the last days. He says, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. Anybody had a difficult time in 2020? Anybody? Am I talking to anybody? Tell me if, this, if, you, if you know anybody like this. For people will love only themselves and their money. Anybody experience anything like that? Paul says that they will be boastful and proud, that there will be in the last days people that scoff at God. They will be disobedient to their parents. Anybody? No, no, all perfect kids. My two are the only two that, okay, all right. Love them though. And ungrateful. Says they will consider nothing sacred. Is this sounding familiar to anyone? Some of y'all need to check your pulse, like right now. I'm worried about you. <laughs> they will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They're gonna be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends. They will be reckless. They will be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. If that doesn't describe the world in which we are living, I don't know what does. It says they will, listen, act religious, pretense, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Paul says, stay away from people like that. And some of you right now are trying to figure out how you're gonna stay away from yourself. We reject the power that could make us godly because we're unwilling to give him Control. Our relationship with the Father should be one of power, where what is dead is brought back to life. Personal, practical, powerful. Number four, painful. Painful. Really? We had to go there? Yeah. Painful. Paul says, I wanna suffer with Christ. I wanna share in his death. What he's talking about here is discipline. Discipline is the mark of a Christ follower. Discipline is the mark of the Christ follower. Whoever out there, someone told you that following Jesus is gonna be all sunshine and rainbows and powder puffs, I hate to break it to you, but that person's a liar. Just because we're following Christ doesn't mean everything is all hunky-dory all the time. It doesn't mean that this life is gonna be perfect. It doesn't mean that what we experience in this world is always going to be pleasant. But here's the good news. We're not living for this world. This is only temporary. We're living for something so much more. And the truth is, is that salvation requires sacrifice. But wait a minute, Pastor Blake, I thought that salvation is a free gift. It is, but it's gonna cost you everything. Salvation is free, but it's gonna cost you everything. You're gonna have to live a life that is disciplined. You're gonna have to give up what you want in order to live a life of what God wants for you. Hebrews 12, verse 11, the author writes, no discipline is enjoyable 
while it is happening. He says, it's painful. Sometimes this Christian life, it's going to be painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living, talking about righteousness for those who are trained in this way. See, discipline is giving up the things we want now for the things that we want most. Discipline is giving up the things that we want now for the things that we want most. And and when you and I, when we choose to, to train ourselves in this way, when we choose to take on the righteousness of Jesus, when when we become like him, and through his righteousness we are granted everlasting life in him. When that happens, we begin to realize that just like I said, we're not living for this world. We're living for something so much more. And you know what that means? That means that because of Jesus, the best is yet to come. And some of you might wonder, why do you talk about that so much? Why do you say that so much? The reason is, is because that's the message. Jesus is our message and his message is that because of him, because of his work on the cross, because of his death and resurrection, there is so much more than just this that you and I have to look forward to. There is an eternity in heaven that you and I have to look forward to that this world and all of its trappings are only temporary. But in a moment... In the twinkling of an eye for those of us that have placed our hope and our trust in him and we've called on him as Lord and Savior, he is going to come back with a trumpet sound and call us home to glory. That's what Paul was talking about when he said, so that one way or another, I will experience that resurrection from the dead either because I pass away before he returns or because I'm caught up with him. This life on earth ceases to exist and eternity in heaven begins. But all of that starts with us choosing to give up our own way, choosing to die to ourselves, and choose to live for something more. I love this quote from Jim Elliott. He says this, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. We read it last week. I think it's important to read it again this week. Jesus said this in Mark 8, calling the crowd to join his disciples. He said, if any of you wants to be my follower, If you want to know me, if you want to have a relationship with me and thus the Father, then you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? So I believe when it comes down to what does it mean to know God? What does it mean to truly have a relationship with the Father? 
It means that we give up living our own way. It means that we take up our cross and we choose to die to self. It means that we follow after Jesus and the things that he did and the things that he said, the principles of this word that we begin to live that way. At the end of the day, if we really wanna know God, what it means is that we need to stop pretending. We need to stop pretending. Stop acting like we can choose to live our own way and still have access to that relationship, still have access to that resurrection power, still have access to that righteousness. We gotta stop pretending. We need to take a long, hard look in the mirror and we have to decide who we are going to be. Are we gonna know him? Are we just gonna know about him? If you're here today and you say, Pastor Blake, I'm done pretending. I don't wanna know just about Jesus. I wanna know Jesus. And I'm ready to step into a relationship with him. If that's you, I wanna invite you to pray this prayer with me. Maybe you're watching with us online today. You're listening via podcast. If that's you and you're ready to stop pretending once and for all and step into a real, authentic, upfront, no holds barred relationship with your heavenly father through Jesus Christ. If that's you, I invite you to pray this prayer with me. It's gonna be right here on the screen. Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner and that I'm lost without you. I believe that Jesus died in my place, making a way for us to have a relationship. And today I choose to follow Jesus and his way for the rest of my life. Amen. So which of those characteristics do you need to lean into this week? When it comes to ensuring that you have an authentic relationship with Jesus, which one of those characteristics do you need to lean into this week? Maybe, maybe you need to lean into the personal aspect of it, where it's not about rules, it's not about the reputation that you have, but it's all about being in a relationship with Jesus through worship, through reading his word, through spending time in prayer, through joining together as the body of Christ. Maybe, maybe it's in that, in, in that practical area. Maybe there's some areas of your life that you've been holding back, that you've kind of been living a compartmentalized life, that, that over here, you're a Christian, but over here, you need to break down those walls and let your faith in Christ begin to permeate those areas that you've left untouched. Maybe that's you this week. Perhaps it's in the area of experiencing his power, that maybe there's a sin that you still need to die to. There's something that you need to let go of. There's control that you need to relinquish in order to be able to experience that resurrection power in your life and for what was dead to be brought back, to thrive and to live again. Maybe it's in that area of pain. Maybe instead of running from the pain that is associated with truly following Jesus, of taking up that cross, of crucifying yourself daily, maybe it's time once and for all to you embrace, for you to embrace the pain, the suffering, the sacrifice for what it means to follow Christ. Here's what I know. 
as you and I choose to do these things, we're gonna see God move more and more in our lives. We will see him begin to transform our hearts. We'll see him begin to to move and to change our situations. We will see ourselves becoming more and more like him. That's what it means to truly know God. We know him so that we can become like him every area of our lives. Amen. In response to the word this morning and just as a declaration of our faith, can we just stand all over this house? The band's gonna come. They're gonna lead us in worship. Let's worship the Lord together.